This is AgriPulse Daybreak West for Wednesday, April 22nd. Good morning. I'm Jeff Daly. Here's today's headlines. More water for Fryant. Supply chain is resilient. Fresh COVID-19 relief on its way soon. And ambitious plan aims to redistribute food. Fryant water allocation goes up another 15%. The Bureau of Reclamation doubled the water allocation for the Fryant Water Authority earlier this month and yesterday, again, revised it now to be 55% of the contracted amount. Reclamation pointed to April storm events that put the central Sierra Nevada in better condition than the north end of the state. Now, keep in mind, the Class II allocation remains at 0%, however, Fryant fears this will lead to more subsidence around critical conveyance infrastructure due to those farmers relying more on groundwater this year. More on that later. Reclamation may have more news on Friday as it is renegotiating Fryant's contract over the crippled Fryant-Kern Canal. And on that note, the large water district representing the Los Angeles region is pushing back on the governor's water plan for Delta pumping. In a letter to the administration this week, the Metropolitan Water District general manager argues the new plan for the state water project is, quote, not scientifically justified. He also counters that the state's new approach is actually no more protective of endangered species than the federal biological opinions. Remember, the district has also filed a lawsuit over the plan. State files for injunction to halt biological opinions. California Attorney General Xavier Becerra yesterday requested a preliminary injunction to immediately stop federal agencies from implementing the new biological opinions. The state is seeking to stall the pumping plan as it pursues a lawsuit against the Trump administration plan. Remember, Becerra and the Newsom administration filed the lawsuit in February, arguing the actions violate state and federal endangered species acts by harming vulnerable fish populations in the Delta. Keep in mind, two weeks earlier, a federal judge denied a similar request by environmental groups in a separate lawsuit. Supply disruptions are little reason for alarm, say UC economists. Professor Dan Sumner and other economists with the UC Agriculture Issues Center write in a new paper that despite worrisome but understandable disruptions due to COVID-19, the nation's food system is resilient. They looked at the immediate challenges on the supply side of the food chain. This means switching from restaurants to retail, maintaining worker health, and ramping up production for high-demand items. While sectors like canned fruits and vegetables can make the switch quickly, adapting the supply chain for in-shell eggs can take months. COVID-19 outbreaks among farm workers could be devastating as well, the economists warn. Localized outbreaks could shut down farms and regions as they have for some meat processing facilities. This will be a challenge for processing lines that run through the summer and fall. They point to new bills in the legislature as potentially protecting and incentivizing farm workers. The coming months will see more uncertainty, they find, but nothing in the data or underlying economics suggests that there will be a lack of healthy, safe food available, they conclude. 
In national news, President Trump reassures farmers on H-2A. President Donald Trump is reassuring farmers that his temporary ban on immigration won't affect their access to labor. The White House hasn't officially confirmed that H-2A is exempt from the ban, but at the White House coronavirus briefing last night, Trump said the farmers will not be affected by this at all. More PPP funding may not last long. A fresh round of assistance from the Small Business Administration should soon be available to farmers. On Thursday, the House is expected to clear an agreement to provide the Paycheck Protection Program with another $320 billion. Farms also will be made eligible for the SBA's Economic Injury Disaster Loans. IDLE provides recipients with what are essentially $10,000 grants, and businesses also can borrow up to $2 million. The Senate passed the $484 billion bill by unanimous consent yesterday. Keep in mind, the farm credit system is concerned the new funding for the PPP's forgivable loans won't last long. Todd Van Hoos, the CEO of the Farm Credit Council, said the expectation around is that it will maybe be 72 hours. I don't see it lasting four days at this point. USDA aims to quickly deliver household-sized food boxes. USDA is pursuing an ambitious and novel plan to deliver household-sized boxes of food around the country starting next month to deal with the surplus of meat, milk, and produce on the market. Under the plan, which has hallmarks of Ag Secretary Sonny Perdue's Harvest Box proposal, the boxes would be delivered to food banks and other nonprofits and handed directly to needy recipients. Food banks often don't have refrigeration and are now short of volunteers due to the COVID-19 crisis. Delivering the boxes directly to recipients as a way of dealing with those challenges. We're only going to purchase 100% domestically grown and processed products. Our goal is to help the American farmer. That Dave Truckwiler with the Agriculture Marketing Service speaking on a webinar about the program yesterday. Some 3,800 people participated in that webinar. Delivery of boxes will start May 15th and run through the end of the year. Now take note. Harvest boxes were supposed to substitute for part of a family's cash SNAP benefits. The new food boxes won't do that. Appeals Court questions EPA's dicamba oversight. Two members of a three-judge panel of the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals seemed receptive to arguments that EPA had not properly evaluated dicamba when it renewed its registration for two years at the end of 2018. At a hearing yesterday, the judges closely questioned attorneys for both sides in the dispute, but made clear they were aware of the extent of damage to crops, mostly soybeans, in 2017 and 18. Circuit Judge William Fletcher, for example, mentioned huge amounts of off-field damage caused by the herbicide approved for use in soybeans and cotton in 34 states. Judge Margaret McEwen said there's a lot of evidence in the record that you can't follow the label even. Plaintiffs in the case, including the Center for Food Safety, argued EPA had not sufficiently characterized the risk of dicamba to crops, trees, shrubs, or on endangered species. 
Attorneys for EPA and Monsanto argued that EPA sufficiently studied the risk of the herbicide. Monsanto attorney Richard Bress warned that blocking the registration would create chaos in agriculture this year. Here's today's He Said It. I'm eating as much ice cream as I can to help, but admittedly, that's creating some challenges for me personally. That Chris Vole referring to his goal of helping dairies right now by increasing his own consumption. Vole is a Danish trade advisor for biogas and waste stationed in Washington, D.C., and was speaking in a CDFA webinar yesterday about dairy methane reduction. Well, that's Daybreak West for this Wednesday, April 22nd, brought to you by FMC. For the latest news out of Washington, D.C., visit AgriPulse.com. For AgriPulse Daybreak West, I'm Jeff Daly.